It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to one day early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The future will be amazing, and that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Let's go, everybody. 86 Boxing, the podcast. Once again, hashtag 86 Boxing on everything, 86 everything. Be sure to visit the website at 86boxing.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff, at 86 Boxing. All right, let's jump straight into what went down this past weekend because a lot of good stuff. Jared Hurd, Swift Jared Hurd to be exact. He is, or at least was, the IBF, WBA, and IBO Super Welterweight Champion. That is 154 pounds, and he put his title on the line this past Saturday against Julian J-Rock Williams. Williams being out of Philly, you know, grimy Philly, because you know they get down in the sport of boxing. This took place at the Eagle Bank Arena in Fairfax, VA. I would have loved to be there in person. Wasn't able to make it. Had another event, which I'll speak of later on. Anyway, um... We went down there as a PBC on Fox broadcast. So shout out to Fox showing major fights. And I think the fight lived up to that billing. It ultimately was a unanimous decision victory in favor of Julian J. Rock Williams. He won with scores 116-111 and 115-112 twice. Many thought the 115-112 was a little bit too close. I believe I would have to say that I agree because this was essentially a top-notch performance by Julian J. Rock Williams and that's not to take anything away from Swift Jarrett Hurd because he came in he seemed to look pretty good as far as leading up to the fight press conferences all of that good stuff at the weigh-in he seemed to be in good spirits he seemed to be very very confident but Julian J. Rock Williams was a man possessed on this night. And I think at 154 pounds, there wouldn't have been another boxer on the planet that would have beaten him during this particular fight because he was just 100% dialed in and super confident, focused, and wasn't going to let anything slip away. I even mentioned this on my Twitter feed. So if you check that, you'll see what I'm talking about. But the fight in itself, it lived up to the billing. As I mentioned, it was a good fight to be on prime time on the channel Fox. And it started out pretty aggressively in the sense that Williams came out looking the gun for Hurd early on. And Hurd, who was pretty much a slow starter in general, 
got off to a slower start. He was taking shots. He was eating a lot of shots. He didn't really do much in the first round, but J-Rock was hitting him with all types of good uppercuts, good hooks, especially with the right hand, and he was landing them cleanly, snapping the head of Hurd. Then he was able to drop Hurd in the second round. This was the first time Hurd had been down in his career, and it was a beautiful shot. I believe it was a right hook that did the job that sent him down and heard I wasn't sure just based on him having a good chin and the way he typically takes a lot of shots I wasn't sure that he was actually hurt at first but he was definitely hurt he even mentioned as much in the post-fight uh, post press conference now Julian Williams he continued to stay focused stay on his game so he was landing a number of big shots immediately thereafter but didn't overextend himself to the point of where he gassed himself out or anything of that nature. He remained patient. He didn't He didn't do anything crazy to try to go for that knockout at that particular time. And I think that ultimately played out in his favor because if he would have gassed himself then, he probably wouldn't have been able to last on throughout for the unanimous decision that he did pick up. Now, I must say that Jared Hurd, if anything else, this guy has a hell of a chin. He was taking big shots. I would say he probably got a few rounds, maybe three to four rounds at best, uh, more so three. If you ask me, he had a few good moments in the middle rounds where he probably picked up his rounds. But that being said, he wasn't as competitive with J-Rock from the standpoint of making it a truly back and forth contest where we felt as though he was actually making major strides. There were some exchanges and such, as mentioned, but there was never any question as to who was in control, who was winning, and who was dominating this fight. And that happened to be Julia J. Rock Williams. J. Rock had a great uh, post-fight press conference right there, a post-fight in-ring interview, I should say, right there as things uh, ended up uh, unfolding. Or, or there at the end and he mentioned how some people, some fans, some media, you see a lot of that these days, downplay fighters off of one loss and pointing out the fact that in the sport of boxing, you continue to grow. A single fight doesn't necessarily define just define the totality of your career and he's the perfect example for that. I believe he was a 7-1 to one underdog and he ended up overcoming he was the better boxer on this night. He was the better everything on this night. He really dug in in the trenches. He fought in the inside, which was was basically better suited for Jared Hurd's game. But Williams was, his, was in impeccable shape. You could see that he was fully defined. So there was nothing that was going to stop him. Even at the 11th round, he let out a roar that showed you that he was not going to be denied. Now, I got to give big props to Williams in this regard, and I think that makes him pretty much the best 154-pounder out there. He did take a loss to Jamal Charlo, who has moved up to 160 pounds a couple of years ago, and that's what ultimately had people counting him out. But he came through in a major way this time around. So he picks up, as mentioned, the IBF, WBA, and IBO Super Welterweight titles. And it's going to be interesting moving forward for 154 pounds because I believe in a month or so, we have Jamel Charlo taking on 
Tony Harrison, who is currently a champion. I think they that is the WBC belt that will be on the line. Now, Tony Harrison picked this up in a fight earlier this year when he beat um, Charlo in their last fight, their last competition, and this ultimately led to a rematch. It was a disputed, disputed decision, close decision. From what I saw in watching the fight, and I think I mentioned it in a, mentioned it in the previous podcast, it was pretty much a toss up. It could have gone either way. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things. I don't think Charlo did enough overwhelmingly to say that he definitively won. Also, Harrison did a lot, but I can't say that he definitively won. I'm not mad at the decision that went down. But this will be interesting because the winner of that fight could ultimately take on Julian Williams. But there is a rematch clause that Hurd has already stated that he is going to invoke. So it could be a matter of we get another J-Rock Hurd fight. And then ultimately after that, we get that unification fight between the winner of Harrison Charlo. So only time will tell what will be the case in that regard. But either way, I think it's shaping up for some pretty good things at 154 pounds. Again, this was at the Eagle Bank Arena in Fairfax, VA. So it was a homecoming event for Jared Hurd. This was his first time defending his title here back home in the area. And he did what he needed to do as far as bringing his form of fight to the actual competition. But he was just unsuccessful in getting the win. But the buck doesn't stop here. Still a lot of good fights to be made. Still would like to see him take on Charlo, Jermel, that is. And ultimately, they could happen. So, moving forward, there was another fight on this undercard. It was a co-main event, actually. Mario Barros, he took on Juan Velasco, and he won a six-round stoppage, or six-round KO, actually, over Velasco. This was at 140 pounds, as I mentioned Barrios is a big 140-pounder at 5'10". He's only 23 years old. He won the fight with a blistering left hook, kind of left uppercut. I think it was a hook right to the body. It caught him right in the, I want to say, solar flex area. Uh, it was a left hook. It was very quick, and he followed that with a sharp right that landed to the uh, to the chin slightly, I believe. But the left hook was so quick, so definitive, and it landed perfectly to the body of Velasco. Velasco went down. He was writhing in pain, and it was a done deal at that point. You knew from the moment he went down that he wasn't getting back up, and it was a statement victory for Barrios, who wants a shot at the title. And with the performance as such, I think he's definitely deserving of so. Now, Velasco, he was no slouch. We've seen Velasco in with Regis Progray, uh, I was actually at that fight live. It went down at the Uno Arena in New Orleans. And Velasco, he took pro grade rounds. I want to say it went about seven rounds, thinking about it off top. And there was a little bit of a back and forth action. It took uh, pro grade a little while to get used to Velasco's offense. But ultimately, when uh, pro grade came on, he was able to get the uh, stoppage as well. But that goes to show that Barrios is a young, hungry, up-and-coming fighter, future champion, just based on his current pedigree. He seems to be poised and set up to be a future champion, and I would like to see him do his thing. So any fight at 140 pounds or gets one of those title lists, let's make that happen. The most realistic one, I would say, uh, 
barring the whole top ranked PBC promotional issue, would be him taking on Jose Carlos Jose, Jose Carlos Ramirez. Um, Ramirez is a 140-pound champion. I want to say he has a WBC belt, but he fights under the top-ranked banner. And he recently fought Zapata a few months back in what was a pretty decent back-and-forth fight. But to think about it, I think this would be a great matchup, Ramirez versus Barrios. Two of them are very good body punchers. As a matter of fact, I think that Ramirez is an even better body puncher, but we would see what would be the case were the two to collide, but Ramirez is very vicious to the body, so hopefully we can get that fight. Otherwise, it's more so a waiting game as the other champions are tied up in the World Boxing Super Series, which I'll get to, and that being Regis Prograde, Ivan Baranchik, uh, Josh Taylor, but big ups to Barrios. He looked very good. On this car, additionally, uh, Matt Vey Korobov versus Emmanuel Wien. That went down. It ended up being a majority draw. Uh, there was one score for Korobov for 97-94, then 95-95 twice from two of the judges. It was initially ruled as a majority decision victory for Korobov and he did a post-fight interview, or immediate post-in-ring interview, and he was celebrating his victory, basically, going over that. But this was ultimately changed. I wasn't aware of the change until the, the day of this recording, which is this Sunday thereafter, this is the 12th of May. And I was confused at first because I was thinking I could have sworn Korobov won. Now, the fight in itself, I came in at sort of the latter part of it. So there were probably about three rounds left when I came in, three to four rounds. And from what I saw, it looked like Korobov had been a guy in control, but Aleem started to come on and started to do some good work. From all indications, based on viewers, people commenting on social media, so on and so forth, the broadcast in itself... A lot of people thought Korobov won, and it's unfortunate that he didn't get a deserved victory in the case where he should. The judges got it right in the Herb Williams fight, but ultimately, you know, it's always a work in progress and something that should continue to get better with time. Big ups to him. We'll see what happens between him and Aleem. Aleem had previously lost to Hugo Tantino Jr., in what was a vicious knockout uh, about a year or more ago. And he's looking to bounce back from that. Still some work to be done. We'll see where he ultimately ends up when it starts to clear out uh, big picture. So, good stuff. This is at 160 pounds. I'm going to move on to the ESPN on top rank on the ESPN card. This went down at the convention center in Tucson, Arizona, which I've been to. It was a nice facility. Had a lot of fan interest there when I was there for the fight between Gilberto Zerto Ramirez and Jesse Hart, the first fight. But on this night, it was Miguel Burchelt putting his WBC Super Featherweight title on the line against Francisco Vargas. Francisco looking to get back in the mix. Interestingly enough, his only loss was to Miguel Burchelt about two years ago. And this was essentially the rematch. And it was a fight of the year last time around. So this was 
looking to be building up into a similar type situation. Ultimately, it was a six-round victory for Miguel Burchelt. After the sixth round, Burchelt's corner stepped in, called off the fight. Joel uh, Diaz is the one who called it off because there was a lot of swelling uh, um, not Burchelt, but Vargas's corner. There was a lot of swelling on Vargas who had, as the broadcast mentioned, recently had surgery to sort of fix the scar tissue issues that he was having in his face. He was always a guy that would cut very easily. He, he has high cheekbone, very tight face, so he would suffer from cuts. And in this case, he had some bleeding. It wasn't necessarily the cuts around the eyes that we were accustomed to, but there was visible red swelling. He was very red, and you can tell he was taking a lot of damage. Maybe the surgery is what helped to prevent him from actually cutting and bleeding during these instances, but he was taking a lot of shots, a lot of damage, and I think Joel Diaz did the right thing by stepping in and calling the fight because Vargas wasn't the type that would quit. The fight in itself, it was living up to the billing as far as being an action fight, but it was a fight that Burchelt was clearly winning. I don't think there's any disputes in that regard, and Burchelt ultimately got racked up another defense. He looks good. He hasn't uh, skipped a beat, really. He is in the argument as the best 130-pounder out there, without a doubt. There are plenty of fights that I would like to see him in. Hopefully, some of those start to uh, take place. He mentioned wanting to take on anybody at 130 pounds, so maybe we can get him versus, say, the likes of Devontae Davis, Oscar Valdez, so uh, Jojo Diaz, um, there's just so many good fights that can be made at 130 pounds. Hopefully it all lines up. Hopefully he gets all the title title uh, fighters, and maybe this will lead to him trying to become an undisputed champion. I have no doubt that he's game. The one that I want to see probably most between him is the fight between he and Gravante Davis. I think that will be a good test to see where Davis is. Davis seems to be the next guy in line. Very explosive for Chell. He's one of those uh, authentic Mexican boxer punchers who will come and bring it each time out. So this will be a good test, and I think it will be an exciting matchup for the fans. So let's see what happens with that. Miguel Burchell on the win. Francisco Vargas, maybe he retires from here. He's had a very good career. His only two losses are to Burchell. So big ups to Vargas for... You know, taking the time off that he did leading up to this fight or since the last fight that they had. A lot of uh, he has different points in time where he was off just getting his body right, healing. So hopefully he continues to get get better in regards to sort of the old issues he's been dealing with as far as his face and such. And we'll see where he goes from here. But good career so far. And if he hangs him up, then hey, we're not mad at him. Also on the same card, Emmanuel Navarrete took out Isaac Dogbo with the 12th round TKO after Dogbo's corner stepped in. His dad, basically, is for the WBO Super Bantamweight title, the same title that Navarrete had picked up from Dogbo when they fought this past December. And honestly, I haven't seen the fight outside of the highlights. When I, Because I was watching the other card that was on PB, the PBC on Fox card, as soon as I turned to the uh, ESPN card for this particular fight, 
Dobley had already been stopped and he was looking damaged and bruised in the face. Not as bad as he looked in the first fight, but still equally bad in you know some regards. But based on the highlights that I have seen, Dogbay had a lot of the same issues he had in the previous fight. At his size and height, or at his height really, with his uh, reach, there's nothing he could do to get to Navarrete and stop Navarrete who was a long, lean, uh, super bantam weight. So Navarrete was able to keep him behind his shots, and he was working from the outside, from what I can tell, and really busting him up once again. And Dog Bay mentioned after the fight that he would like to move up to featherweight, so we'll see if that's the case. Um, I think he's still going to run into a lot of issues at featherweight with some of the guys out there, but I think he'll make for exciting fights. So... We'll see. Good luck to Doug Bay. I think he's a great story. He's a great fan favorite type of fighter. But Navarrete, he's making the claim and staking his claim and making his name as being one of the best fighters out there, one of the most fan-friendly fighters out there. He actually hurt his right hand in the final round of the bout right before that stoppage. But he was still game, and he still did his thing. So congrats to Navarrete. All right, I'm just going to move on to just a week back. I ended up, I mentioned in the last podcast that I had to watch that ESPN card. I did go back and watch that. Um, I just wanted to talk about the Jerwin Ancajas fight against Ryuchi Funai. He won a seventh-round stoppage. Ancajas is the uh, super flyweight champion, at, the IBF super flyweight champion, and he looked very good in that fight. He had some explosive punches. His power was very much on point, and he ultimately ended up forcing the referee to step in and stop that fight with Funai, who was game throughout, taking some huge, and I mean huge, shots. Any other fighter probably would have went down. Any other fighter probably would have been out, but he was taking some huge shots. He's a Japanese fighter. If you have seen the fight or haven't, You'll see what I'm talking about. If you go check it out, he was taking some huge shots. And then Kajas basically was just giving it to him through, through the entirety of the fight. He just could not take this guy down. Um, so it was a good stoppage by the referee. I wanted to mention that. And I brought that up because of the fact that now there's there are discussions, at least from what I've seen online, that and Cajas could be taking on Juan Francisco Estrada, who has a WBC super flyweight belt. And that would be an excellent matchup. I favor Estrada, which I've said on social media and all those things that I've put out. I think he's a little bit more dynamic and do more things than Encajas. Um, Estrada looked very good in his last fight when he took out, man, uh, Sorangvisai, Sarissa Sorangvisai in a very dominant performance on Estrada's part. He really won every facet of the fight. So I think he, I would favor him over Encajas, but I think Encajas' power is going to be a major factor. We'll see how he handles it from a boxing perspective as far as the movement that Estrada is able to bring. And Estrada himself can punch a good punch a little bit, so I think that'll make for an excellent fight. Hopefully we see that later in the year. Real quickly, just wanted to touch on next week. We're going to have this Saturday the 18th. Naoya Inouye returns. He takes on Emmanuel Rodriguez. This is a part of the World Boxing Super Series, the semifinal round. 
and he's going to be taking on IBF. It's, it's going to be an IBF WBA unification fight between between the two of them. The winner will ultimately take on Nonito Donaire in the final of the World Boxing Super Series. This is going to be an excellent fight. I'm looking forward to it. Naoyo uh, was my favorite to win the um, this version of the World Boxing Super Series for the uh, Bantamweights and whatnot. So we'll see uh, how that goes down. I think he can do do so still, even though Nonito looked very good in his last fight. But I think Inouye is going to be the guy. Also, Gary Russell Jr. returns. He's going to take on Kiko Martinez. He's going to be defending his WBC featherweight title. This will be his first time fighting in pretty much exactly one year. And he's only fought once a year since 2015. I don't really know what to uh, make of his career here in the latter part. I don't know what, if this Kiko Martinez fight does much for him. I would like to see him in a unification fight. There were discussions of him taking on uh, Neil Santa Cruz, but I guess that fell through. I think they're both advised by Al Haven, so why it didn't happen, I don't know. But anyway, this fight is going down, so we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, that's all I can say, really. Um, also, Billy Joe Saunders returns. We'll see what goes down with that. Deontay Wilder, he's taking on Dominique Brazil for the WBC heavyweight title. I favor Wilder via stoppage in the middle rounds. I think that's about how far Brazil will go at the elite level in which he's at in facing Wilder and such. So looking forward to that fight. Then the other World Boxing Super Series fight at 140 pounds. It's a unification of the IBF and WBC between Ivan the Beast Baranchik and Scotland's Josh Taylor. This should be an excellent fight. I lean towards Taylor to win it all, but man, Baranchik is a beast of a fighter. His nickname is very fitting. He's very explosive in superb condition. He gets a little bit reckless at times, but he seemed to improve upon that in the latter part of uh well in his, in his last several fights so we'll see what version of him shows up i get the feeling that if he gets tagged he's going to want to fight back he's not going to want to hang around and about and i think that ultimately will play into josh taylor's favorite uh favor and i think i picked taylor to win the tournament even though i know it's going to be tough with regis Prograde. and we'll see how where i'm leaning after we see this fight with Ravenchik. I think that, um, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, the winner of this fight got the tougher draw as far as the semifinal matchup because this is going to be an excellent fight, a top fight in boxing, without a doubt. I favor Taylor to win it, though. I'll just leave it at that. All right, that's all I have for you tonight, my people. As mentioned, you know I got nothing but love for you. Be sure to check out all those 86 boxing sites and such and tune in next time around. Please. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Nothing feels more like summer than bare feet on freshly cut grass. And this Memorial Day, the Home Depot has savings on all the things you need to get your lawn in shoeless shape. 
Get hassle-free cutting, trimming, and cleaning power with cordless lawn tools from RYOBI. Whatever your lawn needs, we have tools to get the job done that won't leave you tangled up. So what are you waiting for? It's time to feel the grass between your toes. Feels like Memorial Day at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. 